I mean, by all measures, it's not the cruelest prank ever played, but no one should ever make someone eat a Vaseline sandwich. But that's Ronnie Fouch for you. <laughs> Innovator. <laughs> How did you know I was in the hospital? Oh, you left me a bunch of voice notes. Yeah, 32 to be exact. I thought those deleted themselves. Yeah, well, I kept all those puppies. But you should listen to some of these. They are a hoot. <laughs> Please, no thank you. Oh, that doesn't matter. Here, I got it right here. Ted is Sharon. I can't come to the phone right now. But if you want to talk my ear off about some bullshit because you're too afraid to properly emote, leave a message. Mm. Beep! <laughs> I didn't mean it. Oh, come on now. You meant it a little bit. In concussion veritas, right? Ain't that the same? <laughs> oh, this next one uh, brings Mr. Steven Sondheim in the house. Because it's you singing tonight from West Side Story, but doing both the parts uh, of Tony and Maria at the same time, which is, in a word, thrilling. Here it is. Tonight, tonight, <laughs> that. And you do the whole first act. It's incredible. Welcome to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week we are covering Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 8, Man City. One of the best episodes of the season. Easily. Yeah. And I think it is the highest rated episode of the Season 2. Deservedly Uh, so. As well. Uh, Apologies for last week. We... um, Kristen more so than me, but we both had a lot going on. And because this episode is as good as it is, we didn't want to half-ass it. Right. We didn't want to log in to record an episode just for the sake of recording an episode without doing the due diligence to the episode that we usually do. So joint decision. We took the time. We decided to take the week off so that we could actually have a little bit more time to kind of, uh, I guess digest the episode i just needed more time to get my life together and my life is still not together (laughs) i mean and even so we're still coming to you a little bit late as well uh usually we record on sunday mornings but i was away this weekend attending a a hockey game an outdoor hockey game which was amazing other than the fact of sitting outside for three hours in 20 degree weather no thank you (laughs) but you know what's funny is that i also went to a hockey game this weekend I just went hockey? To, I went to minor league ice hockey in Charlotte. Oh. Yeah. We went That's to go still see the checkers play. It was fun. It it's still hockey. Oh yeah. It was really fun. We had our friends in town and they have four boys and so and and they lived in Canada for a while. So they love hockey. And so we looked it up and we saw that there was a home game this weekend and we went and it was super fun. Had a great time. Uh, minor league hockey or farm league hockey, it, it doesn't matter. Hockey is it's so fun. I love I, the sport. I love any love minor sport. league sport because these guys are playing because they want a shot at the big yeah. at the big game, and so they play their hearts out. And it's really, or you get the players that just there. There's one player on the checkers that will never be an NHL star because he is just an asshole on the on the court and or the pitch or the field or the <laughs> ice. I don't know what you call it. Get it? It's ice. 
Okay. There you go. But he's so much fun to watch. Like every time he was out on on the ice, on the ice, uh, on the ice, everybody was like, "24 is out!" Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> we were. It's funny because at the at the the I went to the Devils Ranger or Devils Flyers game Stadium Series game, um, which you know there was two. There was this one, and then there was another game on Sunday between the Islanders and the Rangers. But I'm a Devils fan, so it was seventy thousand people in MetLife Stadium, and because it's so close to Philadelphia and New and it's in New Jersey, there were a lot of Flyers fans there too. More Devils fans than Flyers fans, uh, but you know there was enough. And there's it's a huge rivalry between these two teams, so there's always a lot of banter back and forth between you the know fans. between fans. And there was a lot of tailgating happening at this, so a lot of fans were obviously hammered at a game like this. There was a group of Devils fans behind us. And we were sitting, there was eight of us that went to this game, but there was a group of Devils fans behind us. And at one point they were yelling taunts at the Flyers fans that were a couple rows in front of us. And when you listen to these taunts, you're kind of like, buddy, you, you should stop talking like right now, because you're, you're really doing a disservice, not only to Devils fans, but to yourself. (laughs) Because at one point there's a, there's a, there's a a player on the Flyers named uh, Konechny, and this guy, the devil's head behind us, was yelling, Konechny's horrible. He's the worst player on the team. More, worse off, he might be the worst player in the NFL. And we're like, N- NFL? Like, Where are you, buddy? You know what sport you're watching, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're in an NFL stadium, but you're watching hockey. And he said it more than once. It, was he drunk? Yeah. Oh, God, he was hammered. <laughs> he was hammered. And then another point... To anybody who's a hockey fan, if you're if your team is down, usually you'll pull your goalie towards the end of the game empty to net. get an it's extra player. An empty net. I know yeah. that term. To you know, to get an extra player out there to give yourself you give yourself an like more of an offensive advantage. Mm-hmm. So at one point, because the Flyers are down five to three, they pulled their goalie, and this guy is like, they're so dumb. They forgot to put their goalie out on the ice. We're like, just stop talking. Oh my god. Just stop. <laughs> Have you ever watched hockey before? Mm. (laughs) Just stop. Or he just wanted to go and be a dick. That could be it too. Mm -hmm. That that could also been it. Yeah, (sighs) but it was fun. It was a good. I'm glad. I'm so. We went out and tailgated, and I didn't realize when the people I went with said tailgating, they went like we met up with a group who owned their own brewery. So they came out with the trailer and the grill and like speakers, like they had music going, blaring out of this. They had burgers and hot dogs and brouts and steak sandwiches and peppers and onions and all these different beers oh, I'm and everything. Hungry now, stop. <laughs> and I didn't drink anything during the tailgate because I didn't want to have to get up to use the bathroom every 15 minutes during the game. Yeah, I get that. I get and, that. And and when it's that cold outside, it makes you want to pee even more. Yeah, it's, but when you've got the alcohol belly on that cold out, you don't feel it as much. That's Oh, no. Because they were asking, like, one of the people that was with us was like, how they kept showing, like, all the crazy fans on the Tron. And I'm like, they're like, how are these people not cold? I'm like, they're hammered. Yeah. That's why they're not cold. They're, they're really hammered. drunk. <laughs> we're cold because we're all sober. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's why we're freezing. Oh my gosh. No, thank you. Uh, but it was fun. So yeah, so apologies for not coming to you last week, but we're we're here. We're 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 back to it this week. We're back, baby. 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 So Ted Lasso, season two, episode eight, Man City. Yeah. Not only not only one of the higher rated episodes, but one of the longer episodes of the season now, too. We're starting to get into those extended episodes. Right. uh, What was it? 45 minutes? Yeah, I think like 43 or 45, something like that. And it 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 flies by. It feels almost like a double episode because there's so much that happens in this episode. Yeah. So much that happens. And, you know, I mean, honest, honestly, I thought the way that it began was really great with, with Dr. Sharon because we don't know anything about her and we've only gotten little glimpses of her and how she really is. But it was, it, I love the fact that we opened up with her talking to her therapist. Well, hang on right there. We got to do the heads up real quick. <laughs> um, if you're listening for the first time, uh, as always, the, we will do a spoiler filled portion we want to keep it as spoiler free as possible for people who are watching the show for the first time so uh check the show notes and make sure so if you don't want to hear spoilers check the show notes to find out when we talk about that so you know when to come back in for favorite quotes and all that stuff okay we got that out of the way but back to you for opening with dr sharon because i agree with you on this yeah and i mean we notice a couple of things one um it seems that her Her sanctuary, her self-care is this bicycle of hers. Um, She loves hip-hop music, which I Mm. I love. But she's also, like, it's she's so mean on her bike. (laughs) Yes, she is. And I think Your dog hates that sweater. But I think... I, I watched it a couple of times and the first time that I abs- that that I watched it like the first first time that I watched the episode I'm like gosh she's so mean but now that I've seen the episode a couple of times I've I think that she says what she wants to say in these moments because she can't say what she wants to say in her job mm-hmm. and she's got to like let it out somewhere it's a it's a period of free expression for her yeah, I mean she's anonymous. She's she's zips by these people in a flash. Um, she doesn't have to stay and hear about their stupid feelings. She can just say her stupid feelings and keep going. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like that about her. But as the episode progresses, you see that there are cracks in Doctor Sharon, and one of them is the fact that she drinks a lot. Um, when Ted brings back her bike and they go into her house. Um, we finally are kind of seeing Dr. Sharon's house for the first time through Ted's eyes. Um, cause he's desperate to find something about her that he can latch onto because he hasn't found a connection with her yet. And so there's the wine glass on the table. There's the three empty wine bottles by the sink. There's the book from something to mercy. He's just, he's like flipping over books and looking around and just trying to find anything that he can connect with her on, which is funny because, you know, we've seen that Ted puts on his own front and he goes home and he drinks bourbon. Well, we, we start to see a lot of similarities between Ted and Dr. Sharon this episode. Right. A and I love the fact that, Sharon's um Sharon's 
therapist, friend, mentor? No, I think All it's a, three? it's I actually found out. I looked into this a little bit and I actually do have a friend who is a therapist and I reached out to her about this. Mm-hmm. Um and it is common practice for therapists to see therapists. Well, right. Not o- not only is it a common practice, but it's some encouraged. It's it's encouraged and for some um for some places that you work, it's actually mandatory. Good. I mean, I think that that's smart because you can't hold on to all of this information and not expect it to affect you personally. Mm-hmm. But I just love it that this therapist calls her out immediately and says, you may, you know, he may be driving you nuts, but he sounds like he's exactly like you. He just, yeah. he just emotes in his weird way, using what he knows and what he's good at. You have your intelligence and he has his humor. You mm-hmm. know, that's how, that's his defense mechanism. And when she says you need to be vulnerable to him for him to think it's okay to be vulnerable with you. And she does that. She practices that. She puts it into action, which tells me that she is she's as good of a patient as she is a therapist, you know, like she understands that the tools that she gives her patients, you know, the, her football players, you know, she understands that she's saying, listen, you need to do this and, and report back to me. And so she's given an assignment and she does her assignment like a, like, like a good patient, you know? So she practices what she preaches, which is really Mm -hmm. nice to see. Um, And then at the end of the episode, you know, when Ted calls her and he does his confession, we can talk about that later, but I noticed when she goes to pick up the phone, instead of one glass, there's now two wine glasses and there's spilled red wine on the table, which leads me to believe that she's a bit of a mess internally. And she presents herself to be this clean, put together person. Her nails are perfectly manicured. Her hair is perfectly uh, cut. She has, she always looks impeccable with the way that she dresses and carries herself. But when you go into her house, you see that she does have her own set. She, she has her own darkness and she has Mm -hmm. her own, um, her own, cracks, I guess, beneath the surface. But I loved the human elements that we got from Dr. Sharon this episode. No, I'm I'm right there with you. And like I said, like we see a, a big connection between Ted and Sharon in this one. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but we get to see two major breakthroughs, one from Ted's perspective and one from Dr. Sharon's perspective, because Ted has finally found a way inside to kind of I guess become a little friendlier with Dr. Sharon in that he's the one that goes to pick her up from the ER after she's in her accident, which is a really dark and dour way to start this episode because you really don't know, you know, she gets hit by a car and as somebody who's been hit by a car, it's not a fun experience. Well, And she's unconscious. She's in, she's unconscious and ends up with a concussion. Right. So she's kind of at the mercy of having someone, of needing someone which also leads me to believe too that while at the same time you said she's kind of a mess internally when she's on her own and put very put together when she's professional the fact that it was ted was the one that went and picked her up makes me kind of lead to believe that it kind of lead to believe that she doesn't really have many people in her life that she considers friends well, I think we also have to remember that her job is traveling around and being attached oh, to that's, sports teams, that's, right? That's so true she, as well. Yeah, yeah, so she doesn't really have people that she connects with because I think that her job is 24-7. And we see that with her answering the phone late at night mm-hmm. uh, while she's watching TV, you know? Um, 
I do love the fact that she left Ted 32 voice messages <laughs> and she sang the entire first act of West Side Story. <laughs> <laughs> and when he plays the messages, actually hearing her sing. She's like, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it like it's it's one of those things too. As anybody would know, whenever you're under anesthetic, when you, before you go for a surgery, you kind of lose a little bit of self control as to what you're doing. There's tons of videos on YouTube of people videotaping people while they're under, you the know, fake the fake anesthesia. zombie apocalypse with that girl. I don't know if you've ever seen it. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh my gosh, we have to. Uh, for anybody that hasn't seen it, let me just break it down for you real quick. There's a YouTube video out there, and you have to you have to watch it. Well, you and I are going to watch it when we're done recording. Okay. But this girl, teenage girl, comes out of wisdom teeth tooth surgery, and her entire family plans and records like a, a radio, uh, like a radio broadcast, all of it. Oh, the zombie no. apocalypse and they acted out on the way home and it is freaking hilarious oh no it is <laughs> one of the best things i've ever seen i know there's another one i've seen where like the girl it was it, a lot of times it seems to be wisdom teeth surgery mm -hmm. um you know but it's it's any kind of anesthetic that'll do that that'll do that to you. But I remember seeing one where like a girl thought her, her nurse was really cute. Oh no! So she kept like hitting on him. Yeah. And like the, the, the parents are like, you know, you're not going to remember any of this. She's like, Oh no, there's no way I'm ever going to forget like a fine specimen like this in front of me. <laughs> and the, but the, but the nurse is like totally taking it in stride. Cause he knows like that's the influence of the drugs. Right. And, they recorded it for her and she didn't remember a damn thing ever doing it. She was so embarrassed. I would be mortified. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I move now, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. I have to move to a different country. I have to move. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, I mean, getting, you know, getting back to the point, like yeah. the fact that, you know, when, whenever you're under that influence, you usually tend to lose some of your inhibition when it comes to that, which, you hear that in some of the earlier messages that she's sending to Ted mm -hmm. as well. You know, before the before she goes into Stephen Sondheim, uh, Stephen Sondheim, you know, some of what she relays in those messages is her expressing her feelings that she can't do during a normal session. Right, right. You know, and I feel like that. I think that's one of the things that kind of Ted appreciates. Right. Oh, he's laughing. He thinks it's great. And she's like, I didn't mean that. He's like, nah, you meant it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so we see this huge breakthrough in that there's now more of a little bit of a personal connection between Ted and Dr. Sharon. But at the same time, Dr. Sharon makes a move that makes a breakthrough with Ted and allows Ted to open up more so much mm -hmm. so that he reveals what he reveals at the end of the episode. Huge revelation. She, she calls him at one point and says, I just want you to know I was scared. Yeah, I was scared. And I thank you for being there for me. I don't want to talk about it. I just want you to know. And that was huge for her. I, it was huge for her, but I feel like it was also a move on her part to kind of get Ted to open up. When he calls her at the end of the episode, it's the same thing. Yeah. He makes this huge reveal, and then she's like, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, no, I just wanted you to know. He's reciprocating. Yeah. 
And that's a huge breakthrough for Ted and Sharon. Yeah, I mean, they definitely moved forward uh, professionally and personally and therapeutically, I guess. Yeah. Which is wonderful because they both they both need each other. I mean, I understand that she's the therapist and she is there to help the team and to help Ted. But I also think that she needs Ted in her life right now. She needs to learn that it's okay to let her hair down a little bit, so to speak. Because she yeah, doesn't not have be, a lot of hair. Not, <laughs> not be so buttoned up and and professional all the time. It's okay to to not be professional in front of other people. Yes. Yes. To absolutely. Ca- to have a casual friendship. Right. Or a casual relationship in the mm-hmm. sense of a, an interaction with another person. Right. Because it seems like no matter who she's in front of, she's 100% professional, 100% professional all the time. Right. And that could be harmful. <clears throat> she's such a great character. And I really wish that we saw more of her in season three. I understand. I understand the reasoning for not having her as like a regular character in season three. I understand that this is the healing season. This is the season where the team is, is healing and putting themselves together and, and, and they need Sharon, but I just would have loved to have seen Sharon also still in the building uh, for season three. I just think it would have been wonderful. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, I think there's only two episodes with Dr. Sharon in season three. And it's all and it's just by telephone. Yeah, she's not with the team. Right. She has she's moved on at right. that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with her job to another team. So um I agree with you. I think Dr. Sharon would have been a great addition. But we you know, in reciprocation, we do get Trent more Trent Krim in season. <laughs> a three. lot more. And you know a what? Lot more it's Trent a fair Krim. trade. Yeah. I feel like we were on the winning end of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you. It takes everything in me not to rewatch season three because I want to watch it just for the second time when we rewatch it. But it's, uh-huh. I mean, it's just, it's like torture. I need us to be done with season well, two. Well, we're, we're almost there. We're almost there. We have. No, I know. I what, know. And I shouldn't four. wish, I shouldn't wish this away because I love covering Ted Lasso, but oh my gosh, do I love season three. We have four more episodes of season two. We're almost through it. Yeah. So, and the next episode, I, I don't know how deep we can go with the next episode. I don't think there's a lot to break down. It's a lot of surface fun. Yeah. For Beard After Hours. So, yeah. it, it's we're probably looking at a shorter episode next well, week. It's fine. We um, still get fun. we still get the Beard episode and it's wonderful <laughs> we still get and it's Beard weird. After Hours. You know how I know it was a good episode was like my dad, he's, you know, I mean, he's he's a pretty open guy. Uh, for being as conservative as he is. He's a pretty open guy. But afterwards, I, I was expect because we like, when it was out, we liked to talk every week about what we thought of Ted Lasso, right? And so I'm like, oh, that beard after hours episode. And, and I was just waiting for him to be like, this is just dumb, blah, blah, blah. blah. He goes, that was weird, but I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know the show is good, you know, is that yeah. it's all ages, it's all walks of life, it's all wonderful, you know. I know I know how how I know that it, it's the best episode or what a great episode is. And this isn't really spoilery, so I can mention it now. One of the only um one of the very first there's a whole line of Funko Pops now for all the characters and there's multiple versions for most of them. But the very first version of the coach beard that came out is the one with him wearing the pants 
using a hula hoop. That's amazing. I love I can't wait to watch that episode now. I'm excited. <laughs> Anyways, let's stay on this episode because this I love it. <laughs> he's, show, he's showing me the Funko Pop. It's wonderful. Yep. He's actually I, mid he's Milla, mid hula. <laughs> yeah. For you for those of you that are watching for the first time, you're only an episode away. You'll you'll completely understand by the time you get to that yeah. episode. So But I think that's all I really have for Sharon and Ted. Um, other than well, the, I mean, that it, little end yeah. part, but I yeah, really did the, love the breakthrough that, and I think that that's kind of a recurring theme through this episode. I'm just now thinking about it now is we have a series of breakthroughs here. We have a breakthrough with Sam and Rebecca. We have a breakthrough with Ted and Sharon. We have a breakthrough with Roy and Jamie. We, you know, there's just. There's actually, I would, I would even go as far as to say, so we have a break. I agree with you. There's a breakthrough with Jamie and his father more on Jamie. A breakup, but yeah. I I also think in addition to a breakthrough with Jamie and Roy, I think there's also a breakthrough with Roy with himself when it comes to Phoebe. Oh, that line he says to her, I'm worried that I'm infecting you with the worst parts of me. Like, that it's, is such a parent concern. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's dive Let's dive into that, because that is actually one of the first things that we get after Ted picks up Dr. Sharon from the mm-hmm. doctor's office, is we go into what is arguably one of the best and funniest parent-teacher conferences I have ever seen in television, ever. Because Roy gets called in to talk to Miss Bowen about Phoebe because Phoebe is swearing too much in school. Well, <laughs> I mean, what do you do, though? I mean, that what, like as a teacher, I know you're talking about, well, Roy Kent is her uncle and we all know Roy Kent, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it says a lot, too, that Miss Bowen was actually able to kind of make him confront it, like, like to realize that he is an influence on her. And I don't Mm -hmm. think Roy ever really realized it. Like I know he knew he had a great relationship with Phoebe, that Phoebe loved him and they were constantly together. He loves hanging out with her. She loves hanging out with him. But I don't think it's until this moment because of Miss Bowen that he realizes how much of an influence he really is on her. Mm -hmm. And it's so adorable to see him (laughs) initially try and, like his first instinct is to change fuck to F. <laughs> F no. <laughs> I mean, F no. And even Phoebe at that point, like shoots a look to Miss Bowen, like, uh, yeah, like you whatever. see what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she even knows, but you're right. That scene when they're in, in the car and he's confronting her and like, not confronting her, but he's, he's just discussing all of this, yeah. you know, saying like, I'm a football player. People don't think of think worse of me when I do this, but you need to, you need to be better than I am. Yeah. And I think that like, even though he's not her dad, I feel like he feels like partly he kind of is. Yeah. Because he even says, like, no, he's a piece of shit. No, he's a living piece of shit. He's a living piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I mean, is he still alive? Yeah, he's a living piece of shit. <laughs> Sorry, I should have clarified that one. <laughs> so he does kind of fill that role. He so, 100% fills that role. Yeah. That is so, her dad. So to to see him kind of realize that 
children should be better even though he's not her parent he's still influencing the fact that children should be better than their parents roy kent is the reason why phoebe will not have daddy issues in her future Uh, yeah i yeah i see that too yeah so yeah i and the best part about that parent-teacher conference, though, is when they all walked away. Miss Bowen, just I know, fucking glitter, <laughs> fucking because glitter. I hate glitter so much that I understand. I just understand that those two words so much. My so one of my best friends, Rob, he despises glitter. I hate he, glitter. Him and his wife have been having Halloween parties for years, and anytime anybody shows up in something with glitter on it, he he panics because the glitter will not leave the house for months <laughs> after the Halloween party. So, and and now he has a three year old daughter, and I'm like, good luck, bud, because <laughs> you're going to be dealing with it for a while. So, him and his wife just watched Ted Lasso for the first time last month they just finished it last month they oh, cool. blew right through it it's and easy to do and i mentioned this episode to him and i was like that parent teacher conference with phoebe he's like fucking glitter <laughs> like he he felt that in his soul yeah uh-huh mm-hmm. he said yeah that i hate glitter we call glitter the herpes of arts and crafts it's, it's never accurate. gone. It never it goes does, it away. It never goes away. It never goes away. And if you worked with glitter like a week ago, you'll still have one piece of glitter on your forehead just sitting there. It doesn't matter how many times you shower. It doesn't matter how much you scrub your face. That one piece lives in your brain now <laughs> forever. Yep. Oh, I hate um, glitter. I hate I'm going to make a I'm going to make a big revelation to you. Uh, I don't think I've ever told you this. At one point in my late 20s, I dated a stripper. What is wrong with you? You did what, <laughs> Ben? And, I oh, fell in so, love okay. with the stripper. Okay. Little bit of a backstory. No. I I used to work for a radio station. She no. also worked for the radio station, but she had a side job as a stripper. In she the was city. the in-house stripper, wasn't she? No, she, she was, was the radio the station in-house stripper. They're like, she was dances? A, she was a great, a great person. We're still friends even though she moved to the other side of the country it's not what you think it is trust me we'll we'll have a deeper discussion about this later but it's fine i'm just giving you shit i don't care if somebody wants to strip you want to do that that's fine i don't she i'll never do it i don't have a stripper body she refused to wear glitter when she worked good for her even she knew yeah even she knew so anyway i hate glitter (laughs) I hate it so much. I don't even want to talk about it. Okay. Um, if we can move on real quick. Yeah. And I just want to say one thing. Higgins is a treasure. Yes. And, and ple- we must protect Higgins at all costs. <laughs> at all costs. His office being in a closet is so... And he- <sighs> And he wants the door shut. He wants the door shut because he goes, <laughs> get less questions. Less questions. <laughs> but he but at the same time, like as as adorable as he is, too, with that, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, I'm just waiting for my office to exist. exist. <laughs> he's still he's still dropping wisdom. Like he's talking, you know, to Jamie, because Jamie gets the text from his dad about wanting tickets for Wembley and Jamie goes and 
you know, more power to Jamie. Yeah, more power to Jamie for still going and getting his dad tickets. Mm. You know, <clears throat> and you know, Higgins is kind of dropping like these these knowledge bombs about relationships between fathers and sons. And you know, like so much so they he should has, write what, songs five about boys. I think so, yeah. Yeah, he has five boys. Like if you want to talk to somebody about fathers and sons, National Treasure Higgins is the one to go to. And he has a, I mean, and that shows you the stark difference too, is that Higgins has five boys and he has a great relationship with all five. Mm. Jamie is the son of one. He is one, he is one son of one father and their relationship is toxic. As we see later in this episode, we've already seen it. Not to this degree though. No, no. This is a. It's so exposing you know like not only is he vulnerable in that moment but it's just like it's all of it's all of his fears of being exposed for who he thinks he really is in front of his teammates that nightmare that waking nightmare is happening yeah it's it's the one thing he never wanted to happen that's why he's always tough that's why he always kept everybody at arm's length that's why and you see in like this one scene, oh my gosh, like somebody tore off all my clothes and I'm standing here naked. And and if he was standing there naked in front of his team, that would still be better than what his dad did to him in front of his team. It is the most vulnerable. Not only, I, I think it's not only the most vulnerable we've ever seen Jamie, it's the most vulnerable I think Jamie has ever felt. Ever. He is... He is in that moment digressed to a child. I mean, we've jokingly said Jamie is a child in behaviors and such, but we kind of see where a lot of that stems from in this in this moment. No, he goes back. You're totally right. He goes back to being a little boy. You could see it. And even when he punches his father in that one moment, it's like he's not a grown man that just stood up to his father. He's a little boy that just hit his dad. Yeah. You know, and there's a big difference between those things. And the only one that really understands what to do in that moment is Roy Kent. And not only that, and I don't know if this is something that you notice too, but it's it's one of those moments. I like how we've kind of already transitioned out of Higgins into this because, I mean, there's not really a lot to mention about Higgins other than great, as, as great as he is. But national was, treasure. But using that moment in their conversation was a great transition into this part. Oh, thank you. Because I, I <laughs> you're welcome. I don't know if you notice this when when you're when that whole scene plays out, and I totally understand it. All the players, the other Richmond players, they don't know how to react to this. They had earlier, no idea it was happening. Probably earlier in the episode, we saw the great relationship that Sam has with his father. You know, mm-hmm. he mentions how they, you know, the oil company pulled out, and I'm he's so very proud, proud of, of you. Right. He, Sam's father is very proud of him and Sam reciprocates and says, well, it's because of you that I'm the man that I am. He has a very different, completely different relationship with his father than Jamie has and has never had with his father. Jamie's well, and you never see that, experienced this. And you see that difference because that phone call with Sam and he puts it on speaker. That's how confident he is in his relationship with his dad mm-hmm. is that he puts that conversation on speaker. But at this, at like moments before that phone call, what does Jamie do? He ignores his dad's call. Yeah. And then Jamie listens. 
he hears the conversation between to, Sam and his dad. To Colin's, uh, to Colin's dis- dismay. <laughs> Poor Colin in this episode. Because McAdoo does it later. After McAdoo gives Jamie shit about it, too. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? And he does it. Why didn't you say something? It was on my neck. <laughs> Colin. And Colin, I just, if I was Colin, I would be like, I'm never, I never need a spotter again. Like, you guys, none of you have my back. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to the the locker room scene with Jamie and his father, I to the point that I was trying to make about if you noticed it or not, all of the team doesn't know how to react. They're mm-hmm. looking around. They're looking at Jamie. They're looking at his dad. They're looking at his dad being drawn out. Roy's eyes never leave Jamie. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. During the entire situation, as his dad is on the ground, as his dad is being escorted out, Roy never stops looking at Jamie. Right. He never breaks contact with Jamie because he knows in that moment how Jamie is feeling. Mm-hmm. And the- I think my favorite thing, though, besides Roy, is is Beard physically removing James yeah. from, and he like just slams him into the door. He's like, "Whoops, <laughs> <laughs> whoops!" <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a powerful scene in. Because even as a viewer, I think we don't even know how to react in that moment. Because there's just an explosion of emotion that happens between Jamie and his father. Or to the point where when Jamie hits him, we're kind of left in shock. Mm-hmm. Because we, I didn't expect that upon my first watch of this. I didn't expect mm-hmm. Jamie to deck his dad. And then I, don't think, I was proud of... I don't think that, Jamie expected... To punch no, his dad. I think that was that was pure instinct. He tried to walk away from his dad, and then his dad got handsy with him, and he, and I'll bet you he felt empowered to do that because of the team that he felt exposed in front of. Well, because look at it last time. Last time we saw this, they were in a closed room by themselves. Yet Ted was the only one that saw it. You're right. Yep. And this time it, it was, was after the Man the City team. game that yeah. he won. When he was on Man City. Right. Yeah. Exa- that he won. Well, I mean, I mean it also passed, but it also goes to show you that it doesn't matter win or lose. Jamie would never it, it his father was never happy with Jamie. Win or lose didn't matter. Right. Nothing he, Jamie he did wanted, made his dad happy. He just wanted Jamie to score all the goals. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, even in that case, let's say Jamie didn't pass the ball on that and on that play. He didn't make the pass and for Man City to win the game. Let's say he made the he made the goal himself. I still don't think his father would have been satisfied. He could have mm. made more goals. Yeah, right, 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 right. He could have scored more. Right. You could have done more. Why didn't yeah. you do more? Right. Nothing, nothing Jamie Tart ever did would have made his father happy. Yeah. And it's such an empowering moment for Jamie to punch his father Mm -hmm. i mean it's resorting it's resorting to physical violence but in that moment it was warranted his dad was about to punch him his dad shoved him right exactly well that's what i'm saying like his dad was going his dad to me his dad was about to strike his son well i think after jamie decked him if not for beard he would have fought back his dad would have punched back sure for sure yeah beard Beard doesn't get involved unless it it's warranted. I love that about Beard. Beard will Beard will observe. It's like he's like a, a wildlife photographer, you know? He doesn't get involved 
unless it's absolutely necessary, unless he feels that the time has come. I mean, he he watched Nate treat everybody like shit, but it wasn't until he watched Nate tear Colin apart that he just came up to him and said, do better, you yeah. know? So uh, this was beard. This was a, a beard moment too, where he was like, I'm getting this guy the fuck out of here. Yeah. Cause it needed to be done. It needed to and, be done. And he probably had so much rage inside of him that if he didn't physically remove him the way that he did in that moment, he probably would have beat him to shit as well. Beard. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, it takes, it takes brass balls for a man like James to come in and punch a Richmond player in a Richmond locker room surrounded by the Richmond team. Right. Like, and that, that takes but that, balls but, alone. But Jamie even says it. He goes, my dad's a dick. What, 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 what does he do? Well, in any given situation, he's just going to do what a dick does. And it's yeah. true. I mean, he, he has his father nailed. His father's never going to change. He's always going to be a dick and he's going to do dick things. Like if, if you can think of it, this would be what, what a jerk does. That's what James is going to do. And Jamie knows it. It doesn't make it well, any less hard. It doesn't make it easier to handle or swallow. It never makes it easier to, to, to have that exposed to all of your colleagues and friends, especially when Jamie's been on such a journey lately and he's been doing so well. And then this could have ruined it. This could have made him go back like five steps and go back to old Jamie. And he didn't. Well, not only that, but like not only even going back to old Jamie, but just the fact that, as I mentioned, when he's confronted by his father and he kind of regresses back to a child, mm. there may have been no coming back from that. Mm -hmm. Like that could have right. been an emotional wrecking situation, like time where he, he just never recovers from right. being made look like a child or feeling right. like a child. You know, that we could have just seen Jamie curl up into a ball and just, give up on everything. But that's where that Roy point. comes in yep. perfectly because he knew that Jamie needed to feel that they had their back, that they had his back. And if and not Roy only Kent has your back, yeah. everybody has your back. I was just going to say the same thing. Like oh, it's, cool. it's one, it's one thing for another player like Sam or Isaac or Colin to come up and con and comfort him. But for Roy to be the one to do it, the one he has the most disagreements with and is constantly arguing with for Roy to be the one to step up and comfort him. I'm actually getting a little emotional. Uh, me too. I've almost this. cried like six times, Yeah. but also, you know, we, we can't forget the fact that Roy is Jamie's childhood hero. Yeah. That's all. Oh, that's I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's true. So for, yeah, for, for Roy to be the one to do it, speaks volumes about i mean because we've always said that like they they may not like each other but they've res they respect each other mm -hmm. this is a prime example of that like roy knows how great of a player and person jamie is he gives him shit but he knows and he, he gives him shit because he knows he can do better and and I think you're right. I think this is like not only is this a comforting embrace to help Jamie deal, this is an opportunity. This is Roy seeing Jamie's falling. Mm. I'm catching him. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. Yeah. And it I leads agree. us into 
again, we just both admitted we get emotional talking about this because I, I cried watching the episode. Me too. And, and then it leads into a huge reveal. Mm, with from Ted. Coach Lasso. Mm-hmm. And because we talked, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but we find out one of Ted's big issues is that his father killed himself when he was 16. His, uh, his father left him. You know, that takes a toll on anybody mm. because there's no closure in that. I don't think at any point in your life is there ever closure to a suicide. Yeah. Because how do you get it? You know, you can't talk to that person. A note's not going to do it. No. There's no closure. Ted has never had closure to his father's death. And now, you know, seeing everything that Jamie is going through with his father in regards to everything, the relationship he has with his own son, this is coming to a head. Mm, mm -hmm. And he needs to tell someone. Mm -hmm. And he tells Dr. Sharon. Yeah. He, he calls her and says, you know, my father killed himself when he was 16. That happened. I don't know if this has anything to do with my issues. And she's like, no, it absolutely does. Yeah, 100% does, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but, but I also think, too, that's a huge reveal for Ted and a huge revelation for Ted is I think he's always been questioning as to whether or not if this was causing him issues. And he needed someone to tell him it does. Yeah. And then it it's is. okay that it does. Yeah. I don't think because he's never – I don't think he's ever revealed this to anybody before. I don't even know if Coach Beard knows this. I think Beard does know because Beard went to go check on him. And Beard didn't question yeah. why he was crying because he was still – well, well, Beard could have also gone to check on him because Ted comes clean about the panic attacks too. So it could have also been Beard just going to check on him to make sure he didn't have another panic attack, which he kind of did. but. You know, we find Beard and Ted didn't meet until after this happened with his father. So this, I think there's a chance this might be something he's never even revealed to Beard. Hmm. I don't know. That would be a good question to ask Brendan Hunt or Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Since they wrote so, it. That's yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> or Brett, I mean, Brett Goldstein's another writer on the show too. So I mean, it, he's executive story editor. So you know, but he's, he's a much bigger deal. Them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Way bigger right. deal. Executive story <laughs> editor. Brett but, you know, team. for like for for Ted to go and tell Sharon. And again, this is that moment we talked about, too, where he tells her, like, she says, do you want to talk about it? And he's like, no, I, I just want you to know. I just want to stick a pin in it so we can talk about it later when I'm not emotionally charged. <laughs> but I mean, that's. That's at least a step forward. That's progress. That's that's yeah. a topic for their next session. Yeah. That gives Dr. Sharon time to kind of sit on this and think about it. How do I approach Ted with this? Yeah. Open up another bottle of wine. Let's talk about it, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the end of this episode is so emotionally charged and just, I, I cry. Every time I watch this episode, I get emotional. Yeah. Because it's it's huge. Well, and then you have it, and then you have it ending with you know Beard walking off, and um, bird by bird, not that kind of bird. <laughs> but what I love is that there's some unspoken thing that at this point we don't know anything about, right? As as an audience member, but 
Ted looks at him and he says, don't forget, it's your turn for coffee tomorrow. Like he's looking at him going, you will show up tomorrow. Because he knows that Beard is in a bad head spot for whatever reason. And we yeah. find out later, you know, Beard's whole story. But, um, but, and while it's a very kooky, fun little episode of Beard After Hours in the next episode, you know, that links together him walking off really nicely, there's also more to Beard, a lot more to Beard. And Ted knows Beard's history and, and they have their own history, but them looking at each other and having this, you know, resolved look of, we will see each other tomorrow. To me, like I felt that I felt that Ted was telling him, you're still going to be here tomorrow. We are going to still walk to work yeah. together, you know? And that, that was, that was lovely. Yeah. I mean, we, we've mentioned it before too, that Beard remains a pretty well concealed mystery throughout the entire run of the series. Mm -hmm. um, there are only two moments where we really get a deep dive into Beard. The next, the first one is Beard After Hours. It's the next episode. But even then, it doesn't reveal a lot about Beard. It, it reveals more personality about Beard than anything else. And then it's not until the penultimate episode that we get backstory reveal on mm -hmm. Beard. So, so by the end of that, by the end of the penultimate episode of season three, when we've gotten both personality, that's when Beard becomes a complete character. Mm -hmm. But he's still, even incomplete, he's still a fantastic, amazing character. Mm -hmm. It's the mystery about him and the lore about the allure about him that keeps us loving Beard up until mm -hmm. this point. And then once the mystery is revealed, we love him even more. Yes. And yeah. on rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and yes. moving yeah. from Beard into the pregame, the pregame confessional, which was my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seeing everybody like kind of making a confession. As you Beard's said, confession was the best. <laughs> I, I and Roy knowing exactly which game it was was even better. Yeah. <laughs> I accidentally took mushrooms. Accidentally? I was at Jane's house. <laughs> I drank the wrong tea. What's great is that is that Ted's not mad about the mushrooms. He's like, he's, he's mad, mad about the, the tea. Drinking tea. <laughs> I didn't know how to tell you, man. <laughs> such it was wonderful. I, Ted and Beard's friendship is just goals it's one of the best moments it, it's goals it really mm -hmm. is friendship goals yeah because you're right like just the fact that he wasn't mad about the mushrooms he's mad about the tea yeah he's the just he's like beard is drinking tea you traitor tea really <laughs> tea <laughs> oh i accidentally was on mushrooms during a game that just that i just i wish that they made like they rolled b footage of that or something and had it just show up somewhere you know i wonder i mean the show is so well written that you know a lot of times you think like oh i wonder if there's improv involved and mm. you know i almost want to say like i don't think there was i think the show is just so well written that there probably wasn't a lot of improv on this show oh yeah i can see that you know i i don't know i mean maybe there maybe there is at some point but you know, we should look for a blooper reel. I've never looked for a blooper reel. I've never. I don't think there is a blooper reel because I've never found one. I think I've looked for one before and I just never found it. They should release one. 
Uh, you know that there's a million of them. Bloopers. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look for. I'm trying to look through the transcript to find the uh, what everything does. Oh, it all the confessions. Um, yeah, here it's uh, where is it at? Um, oh, I'm just so Ted comes through. Um, hold on, fellas. Um, I need to hold on a sec. I need to tell you something. When I left the match against Tottenham, it it wasn't because you know my stomach was bothering me. It was because I had a panic attack. I've been having them from time to time as of late, and I'm working on it. But I just want you all to know the truth. And then he's like, "We good? We're all good." And then, and then Higgins. Higgins. Um, I messed up the time zones on our transfer deadline, which is why we didn't sign a. We didn't sign up that amazing fullback from Brazil. And they're like, okay, that's all right. Not Nate. Uh, Nate wanted Nate wanted to insult him first because Nate's a dick. <laughs> Roy, Roy, I don't read the scouting reports, you guys. Right? They're I've lied every time they've come them. up. They're boring, and I won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that Nate's confession was really a confession. No, Nate's was a Nate's was a, a humble, humble brag. brag. Yeah. Yeah. I pretend to get ideas in the moment, but they're just good ideas I've had for months. That's a cocky humble brag. Yeah, it is. And I it, just it, time it them everything to look, about him. Yeah. I just time them to look spontaneous. But then Roy is even like, mm, that's a good move. You know, I don't uh, they're still kind of like praising him a little bit, but still. And then, Beard, and Beard has the best one. There was one game this season where I accident where I was accidentally on mushrooms. Accidentally, I had been at Jane's house and I drank tea from the wrong pot. And then Roy, the Port Vale match, yeah, yeah, it won't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I such love a it great so moment. much. It's wonderful. It's absolutely I do wonderful. Wanna, I do want to say too as. I've kind of had these moments a little bit because I used to I used to march in marching band in high school. And I mentioned at the top of the, the podcast going out onto like um, being at MetLife Stadium this past weekend um, before MetLife was there. It was the Meadowlands and I had marched on the Meadowlands field. And I remember the first time I had ever walked out of that tunnel with the band and getting that feeling of being out there, like on the field. Yeah. So seeing that moment when the team walks out onto Wembley mm -hmm. and it's like this huge, majestic landscape for all of them. And they're all in all of that. Uh, in, they're in all of that moment. I felt that. Too bad that I have... couldn't get his Hoosiers moment. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. He got that but wrong, I, and then he got passively offside. It's wrong because I fucking hate this game. <laughs> Still can't figure out the rules of this. But when they walk out and they get that majestic feel of walking out onto Wembley Field, like I, I, I loved that moment so much because I have felt that moment. Mm -hmm. Not Wembley, but you know, in my but own way. Yeah, your own version that. of that. If I ever got to step out on Staples Center onto the court where Kobe Bryant has played, <sighs> yeah. I remember I remember the first time I got to play the first time I ever got to do something like that when I was in band in high school we walked out in front of a sold out Phillies game during the playoff season to play mm. and you know the Philly stadium is like 
40, 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. The ballpark is like 40, 50,000 people. So walking out to a sold out Phillies game to play, it's nerve wracking, but it's kind of awesome at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So I totally felt that moment with mm-hmm. them walking out on Wembley. That's Just awesome. wanted to make a quick mention of that. And I like it that Jamie said hello to one of his old teammates really nicely and respectfully. You know, we see that there's no bad blood, but his father tells him that there is bad blood, you know, at the end. There's just so many um, contrasting moments that really show how messed up Jamie's self-worth is. Well, I, from, and his I, dad, and I fir- from his father. Yeah. And I, and I firmly believe this too, because I've been through this personally. Like it's when you remove toxicity, it's amazing how much of a better person you can become. You feel physically better. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. there's a physical difference, not yeah. just mentally. And that's, that's the most remarkable part about it. And you don't even realize that it was as toxic as it was, as it was until you're free of it. Mm-hmm. 100 mm-hmm. percent and i feel like jamie being on man city was not only a detriment because he was away from coach lasso and the mm. rest of richmond which is such an in- empowering and enriching environment it was probably worse for jamie because his father was probably at every game mm. And he was getting that confrontation we saw Jamie and his dad have at the end of season one. He was probably getting every game. We just didn't see it Mm. because it was happening at Man City, not at AFC Richmond's field. So it was probably happening more than just the one time we saw. Right. You know, Ted just happened to witness it for once. Yeah. So getting away from Man City was removing toxicity for from Jamie's life in multiple ways. Right. Yeah, because his dad probably never came to any of his games at Richmond. Yeah. Pro- I don't think he ever did. Right. The only reason why he went to go see him play uh, play at it's Wembley, Wembley was because well was because he was playing Man City. Right. 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 But that's what I'm saying because it was at Wembley. It was at home. It was at his father's team's field pitch. is Wembley Man City's field I don't know is it I don't know I don't I, know I, I I thought it was kind of like I thought because it was a playoff game I, my impression was that they brought both teams in to play at Wembley but you're right Wembley could be Man City's field like um, I know like we know I, yeah <laughs> you know don't what I know about about f- football is what I've seen on Ted Lasso and like one World Cup I am excited because I was actually talking to my friend about this on Saturday. The World Cup is coming to the United States in 2026. Where? Philadelphia. Oh, like 11 different cities. Oh. Um, Philadelphia is getting six games. Hmm. One Where of the games. will the final game be played? Uh, Chicago, I think. I might be wrong about that because we're not getting any of the USA games in Philadelphia, but we're still we're still going to go because one of the games in Philly is happening on July 4th. No, it's happening at the link July 4th, 2026, which is the 250th anniversary of this of the country. 
That is awesome. I want to go. In Philadelphia. So they are going to make a huge deal of that game. Get an extra two tickets. For you and for you and Dave? Dave and I will come. Okay. I'll let you know when tickets go on sale so that we can we'll It'll be five thousand (laughs) dollars. It'll be the one and only time Philadelphia's uh football fans, like real football. Well, so I know we're break, we're gonna break in topic too, but ever since we started watching Ted Lasso, I've been researching football. Like I watch Wrexham, I follow Wrexham now, and a couple other mm. teams. The Philadelphia Eagles for their 2025 season or 2024 season later this year, their very first game is being played in Rio. Um, and I was like, um, they do know they have real football there, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. American football means nothing to those people. They, they are diehard Brazil football is, fans. Right. Brazil is yeah. football soccer all the way. I'm like, was that a good choice to play and bring American football to Rio? You understand I, that America is ridiculously stupid, right? When it comes <laughs> to the rest of the world. Like we are the Tiger King of the of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's no, that's accurate. Yeah. That that's accurate. Back to Ted Lasso. There's only one thing that we really haven't talked about. And with such an amazing episode, this huge reveal that everybody's been waiting for for so long kind of takes a major backseat to the rest of the episode. I mean, am I wrong here? Uh, no, you're not wrong at all because I'm. you're talking about Sam and Rebecca. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam's haircut. Sam's haircut's the best part of that entire storyline. We got... <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that Isaac is the is the team barber mm-hmm. and you get one haircut a season. That's smart. So you, so you have to choose your time wisely. Danny, I'm, I'm saving mine until I get married. Or until I get circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> I love Danny Rojas so much. I do too. We haven't had enough of him this season. No, he's kind of become a secondary um character uh or third tier character which is which is fine because they're putting the focus on other characters but we will get more danny by the end of the season um which i i love because danny kicked off this season by accidentally killing (laughs) well yeah that's right because of the whole he was the one he was the reason they brought in dr sharon (laughs) football is life but football can also mean death That is beautiful, man. (laughs) But you're right. We get this huge. We as an audience have already had the reveal as to who Sam and that Sam and Rebecca are talking to each other. But this episode, the reveal happens for Sam and Rebecca when they agree to go to dinner and they meet up and they realize they are the ones who have been talking to each other. I would run. I would run. If I was Rebecca, I'd be like, we are going to pretend that this never happened. Goodbye. She wanted to. Like, she was like, no, no. Like, I I have to go. Like, I need to go. But Sam has this charm about him that kind of pulls her back. Like, we look, this doesn't have to be a date. We can just do this as coworkers. Let's just, we're already here. Let's Mm -hmm. just, let's just have dinner. Smart move. It you don't you realize by the end of this episode how much of a baller Sam is. He's also just this. He yeah he has an old soul. He's been raised right. He's incredibly kind. He's really smart. Like he is the whole 
flipping package. He's just 20 years too late. Yeah. For it's, for it's, Rebecca. I will tell you right now, upon rewatch of this episode, like upon first watch of this episode, the very end of this episode, that scene with Sam and Rebecca, I was like, I'm like, oh wow, okay, that's we're we're going here. Mm-hmm. And then upon rewatch of this episode, when he texts her his address and she goes, she puts her shoes on, she opens the door, and he's standing outside the door. Man, like that is such a baller move for that takes confidence to know that she's going to come running. I'll bet you he just stood there and he's like, this is where I'm going to find out right here. This is where I'm going to find out. Because if she never went through the door, then he would know and he'd go home and that would be the end of that. Yep. But the fact that like when you look at the timing of everything, like she goes to the, she goes to the refrigerator, she picks up the phone, she texts Sam. She doesn't reply through the app. She closes the app and texts him directly. Like they're done with banter right. at this point. This is a real connection now. She, you know, she texts him. He texts her back his address, immediately runs and put on the shoes. He was at that door before she ever picked up that phone. Oh, yeah. He was, well, he I was like there. it that she was holding her shoes in her hand, too. She didn't even bother to put them on yet. Yeah, she was running to the door with the She's shoes like, in I her gotta hand. go. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this. I, I love the fact that, like, this is such an interesting pairing between these two characters. And it's kind of fun. It's it's fun to, to watch. It's fun, but it's so dangerous because you know it's not it, going to yeah. end well. It's one of your best players on your team. It's the owner of the team. I just, listen, if it wasn't Sam Obasanya, who is the most, adu- he, he is the adult in the locker room out of he all is, of them. He is the, what did we call it on Lost? Um, Whenever or no, we didn't call it on Lost. We caught we used to say that about characters on The Walking Dead that if you were this particular person in the group, you always oh, ended up the dying. heart of the show, the the moral compass, the moral compass. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he is sort of like the moral compass of AFC Richmond. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's he is the adult in the room. He is the moral compass. He is the heart of that team. I mean, this this storyline couldn't have worked with any other player. Any other player. So yeah, so looking through my notes, um, the only other thing I have as far as, you know, we talked about Roy and Phoebe, we talked about Sam and Rebecca, obviously Ted, Jamie, Roy. The only other thing I think I have before going into spoilers is I just love in the beginning of this episode, right after we come back in from the cold open, um, it's Beard and Roy in the locker room, and all they're doing is just staring at each other. Mm-hmm. It's like they it's know <laughs> they don't need to say anything. It's just an unspoken language. And Keeley comes in with a opportunity to be a spokesperson, and they're and neither one of them says anything. And she's like, All right, well, fuck you both then. And <laughs> walks out and in the next moment we get nate walking in i'm gonna be a spokesperson right (laughs) inflating his already inflated ego not realizing though because he wasn't in there the moment before he's third choice right exactly and i I like it that beard goes i like that she gets us (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Oh, it's so great. Uh, anything else on your end before we, we go into no, spoilers? I'm good. All right. So with that being said, then, uh, if this is your first watch and you want to avoid spoilers, now is the time to check the show notes. We're going to go into spoiler talk and you can find out in the notes when to come back. Uh, I'm going to throw this out there just to just to put it out there real quick. You a lot of people may not realize it, but in this episode, we have met Phoebe's mom. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have. She is Dr. Sharon's ER nurse. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Phoebe's dad must be like white as hell. Yeah, because she's got she's got some color to her. Well, I mean, her and Roy look like they could be related, right? But you don't really realize that until you see his sister and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess you guys, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's just interesting because I, because Roy Kent is Roy Kent. Yeah. I, you know, and then, and then you see Phoebe and you're like, where do you fit in this family? Because <laughs> she's, I think she's like blonde. No, she's not. Phoebe? Oh, Phoebe is. Yes. Phoebe yeah. is. Yes. I thought you meant the mother. No, no, no. Phoebe's Phoebe's very blonde. And so that living piece of shit probably lives in America. <laughs> it's it's one of those and it's one of those situations that it happens so seamlessly that I didn't even really realize it until season three that that was Phoebe's mother upon rewatch because, you know, we get the parent teacher conference and or no, we get the ER scene where, you know, Phoebe's mother is the one that wheels Dr. Sharon in and tells Ted right. about everything about it. And then we go immediately into the parent teacher conference where Roy says Phoebe's mom is an ER nurse. ER doctor. And I never an ER doctor. And I never made that connection. I know, me neither. <laughs> I like it never that Ted's like that I've I've watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy in my early 30s. <laughs> and I thought, oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of house. So Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen all the house. Houses, and I've seen the first like sixteen seasons of Grey's Anatomy before I gave up. But yeah, so it, we we have met Phoebe's mom. You don't realize until later that it's Phoebe's mother. I don't think you realize until Happy Uncle Day in season three, which is such a great moment. I do love Uncle's Day, and I love Uncle's that Jamie's Day. there. <laughs> yep, I had to invite your best friend. He's not my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but one of my favorite moments from that scene is when Jamie gives Roy the jersey that has Kent on the back, but he changed the E to a U. <laughs> <laughs> and it clicks with Phoebe's mom, but it takes a couple seconds for Phoebe to realize what it is. And then she says to Jamie, you owe me a quid. He's like, but I didn't say anything. You made me think it. Yep, that's true. That's Valid. true. And then he gives her a quid. He's like, all right, fair. That's uh, fair. Let's go find I, a windmill. I, I'd love that moment. Happy Uncle's Day is such a great, a great moment. Um, I the only I have nothing. We we do have a voicemail from Alex. He did. He did let us know, as we've said before, if you have something spoilery, just let us know before we play it. So we'll play that during this, too. But the only other thing I have is when Ted comes clean in the locker room about having the panic attacks, Nate kind of gives this look 
Mm-hmm. Because as we're going to find out by the end of this season, he betrayed Trent that Krim, trust. Yeah. Trent Krim is going to report on the anxiety, on the panic attacks. And the reason why panic Trent knows about the panic attacks is because of this moment. Yep. Because Nate is Trent's source. Yeah. He absolutely betrays Ted's trust. And, and he, and you could see it on his face that he wants yep. to use that. God, yep. I hate Nate. Yeah. That's what I was. That's why I was bringing this up yeah. in that moment when Ted reveals it. When you look at Nate, Nate now has a bullet in his gun, mm-hmm. and he and he, he wastes has it no time it. in using it. No, I think it's probably almost after this game. Yeah, ugh, because they lose so badly, and Nate probably thinks it's because Ted was off doing whatever with his emergency, and then you know Roy left with his emergency, and Nate probably thinks I'm the only one holding this team together. No, you're not. You're a fucking asshole. But. <laughs> Yeah, so in that moment we see Nate Nate get some ammunition. Yeah. And you're right, he's gonna betray Ted's trust. Because there's that. nobody else in that circle of diamond dogs that would ever do that. Beard would never in a million years betray Ted Lasso. Leslie Higgins can't even say anything without getting heartburn. Yeah. And Roy Kent doesn't care enough. At this moment in time. Other than Ted, there are six people that know about his panic attacks. And one is Rebecca, his therapist. Rebecca, Dr. Sharon, Roy, Beard, Higgins, and Nate. Yep. Yeah, nobody else and knows. Nobody else knows about his panic attacks. And of course, Beard's not going to say anything. Ever. Roy just doesn't. Roy just doesn't. I mean, he's concerned, but it's, it's Ted's business to Roy. And that, you know what? And we get that in the beginning of this episode. It's his business. Why are we like, they even tell Nate because Nate's like, why aren't we doing what? What's the emergency? What's this? I'm just realizing this now. Both Beard and Roy were like, that's none of our business. That's none of our concern. Yeah. We're not going to ask because we don't talk about it. (laughs) And then when Roy gets the phone call from, from Miss Bowen and he's like, I got to go. And Nate's like, well, where are you going? Like, oh, it's none of your business. Exactly. It's none of your business. We are not friends. We are colleagues. Yeah. We didn't talk a lot about that during the main discussion. Um, kind no, of because I think anything that, with right. Nate at this time right now, in this given time leading up to the season finale, is spoilers. I can't talk about Nate without talking about how much I freaking hate him. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, He's hard to talk about in a non-spoiler sense because I hate him so much. I get it. I totally get it. And like again... I didn't see a lot of this upon first view and right. it's, it's rewatching everything that I really see a lot of the downhill for Nate and a lot of the things that contribute to it. Well, well, we are as audience members, we are lulled into this wholesome, everybody is wonderful mentality because the intention is for us to be shocked just like Ted at the end of this season. And they do a yeah. remarkable job of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And then again, it's now upon rewatch that we're seeing things differently. Mm-hmm. Because we're seeing all the cards on the table now. Right. All the cards are being played face up. So we're right. seeing the hand as it's developing. Which is why a rewatch is so is so fun. Yeah. Rewatch. I can't say that word. Rewrap, rap, rap, Terrible. I'll bet it. But as I mentioned, we do have a spoiler uh, piece of feedback, so we're going to play that now during this section before we go cool. into uh, into quotes. So this comes from Alex Kruger, uh, and this is his voicemail 
uh, for Man City. Hey team, this is Alex Kruger leaving feedback for Ted Lasso Season 2 episode Man City. I remember when the show first aired and there was so much speculation that the doctor that treated Doc Sharon was Roy's sister. I don't know why, but I always assumed it was Roy's sister. I didn't know if we'd ever get to meet her or if she would be like Elliot's brother Barry on Scrubs, who was referenced a lot but never seen on screen. I always thought this was Ted Lasso showing us instead of telling us. But I'm curious if anyone else had the same, well, those are clearly Kent eyebrows reaction that I did. (laughs) I remember thinking to myself during the Roy and Phoebe teacher scene at the beginning of the season, and then this episode, damn, if I wasn't such a fan of Roy and Keeley, I would ship the living hell out of these two. Mm -hmm. They have a natural chemistry. And I like that she is just as rough around the edges as Roy. I honestly didn't see any breadcrumbs for them, though. And when Roy omits his relationship status a few episodes from now, I remember feeling terribly guilty for dream shipping them. Lastly, the Sam and Rebecca conundrum. Now, banter is interesting because two people fell for the person. And while the age difference is startling, they do have a crazy simpatico chemistry together and are consenting adults. So I never really cared about it. The thing that always rubbed me the wrong way was the employee-employer factor. It just drove me nuts because that's a level of inappropriate I wouldn't expect from honestly, either of them. But then this week, I was thinking about them and then Michelle and Dr. Douchebag next season and wondered how much Jason Sudeikis was consciously or subconsciously making a comment on his ex-wife and her new boyfriend, seeing as how she was directing a movie he was in. But I didn't know what the timeline of events were. Still, I think there was a bit of art imitating life going on with the writing when it came to these inappropriate relationships. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but then again, maybe not. Um, that's all I have for spoiler discussion this week. Enjoy. So wait, so Olivia Wilde directed an, a movie that Jason Sudeikis was in? I think that's how they met. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Huh. That's interesting. That's a good That's a good pickup on that, that maybe he was speaking a little bit about that from his own personal experience. 100%. 100%. But I also know... I also know that during the filming of Ted Lasso, Ted or Jason Sudeikis was dating one of the actresses. That still he doesn't was, mean that he's not um, that he's not still feeling the the death of his relationship with. Oh no, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm also saying that could have also contributed to the fact that he was in a workplace relationship during mm. the filming of the show. Right. Because he he was dating the actress that plays Bex, uh, Rupert's new squeeze. Oh, I thought he was dating a makeup artist. No, he was dating he was dating the actress that played Bex. Interesting. I think that's one of the reasons why she got the role on the show is because they were dating. Oh, Jason Sudeikis, you guys are all a bunch of douches. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, all right. Um, anything else for spoilers for you? No, no, I barely had any as it was. So, okay. Uh, so then, uh, welcome back to everybody, uh, from post spoiler talk. Uh, let's go into some of our favorite quotes. And I didn't write any down this episode, but there's so many good ones. I did. Uh, did you uh, lead us off a lot? I wrote down, hate that sweater. Uh, (laughs) he's a living piece of shit. Fucking glitter. Uh, Ted saying, you do the entire first act. 
Uh, sometimes I get concerned that I am infecting you with the worst parts of me. Uh, and that's it. I have, uh, from the parent teacher conference, uh, well, coach Kent, we've got a bit of an issue with Phoebe's behavior. Let's have it. She's been swearing a lot. <laughs> How bad is it today? She called one of her classmates an apathetic shit fucker. Are they? Oh yes. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but that's not the point. <laughs> <laughs> I I love I love Miss Bowen. I think she's such a great character. I totally agree. She's great. I mean, and I'm glad we get to see more of her too going forward in the season. I, I think we see we see a little bit more of her going into season three, right? So, but yeah, she's God. She's such a great character. Freaking fantastic. Um, I know there are some other ones, but, <laughs> but I I can't really like I said I didn't really. I didn't really write him down. So or apologies when, or for when Ted or when Ted goes to Sharon, come on, so let's get going sweetheart or let's go sweetheart or something. <laughs> Puts her like, I, there's no ring on this thing. <laughs> 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 Anytime that Sharon and Ted are together is magic. Yeah, I agree with that. So that's really all we have for quotes then <laughs> on this episode. We did a uh, good job. Again, yeah, we we fell horribly flat on the quotes episode, on the quotes part of the episode. But uh, we th- did just fine. Okay, I I agree. We're there. <laughs> <laughs> that takes us then into the feedback section of the podcast. Uh, starting first with our friend Greg, he's been trying to play catch up on episodes and sending us feedback. And as we always mentioned, you can send us feedback for any episode, even if it's one that we've already done. Uh, and we'll we'll happily play it. So this comes from Greg, uh, and this was on last episode, uh, episode seven, Headspace. Okay, finally able to catch up a little bit. Uh, on to Headspace. God, this is just a hard watch. I don't know if it's my own experience with therapy or it's seeing Ted in such a negative light. Uh, it kind of really makes you realize how much he's got bottled up and how it's going to explode. Uh, I personally love therapy. I wish I could go to therapy more often. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, this one was hard, just hard to watch. Like, it's just like, you just, I don't know if it's that I personally identify with being positive up until the point where you can't anymore, or when you're being faced with your inner demons or whatever, but yeah, it's hard. And it is such a cock. <laughs> Fuck, come on, man. Like I, you just, you see it. And I've been in his position too, right? Where you're, your self-confidence is so low that you can't help but view it in a different light than it's intended. And when maybe, maybe they are, maybe they are, but he's been conditioned. Maybe they're being supportive. They're being accepting, but he's conditioned to do it. And not just by his parents, but as he's been brought up in every kind of like we talked about during the signal, like it's, it's just the way that he's been brought up and it's so goddamn hard to get out of that frame of thinking. It's hard to believe that someone can, can think you're better than they used to. It's hard. And that is why I have one of the reasons why I have a soft spot for Nate, why it is easy, not easy, why it is uh, easier for me to be semi forgiving. I'm watching and I'm, praying that he doesn't go down this road, but it's like reading uh, wizard and glass again. It's such a good plan, but you like, come on, just, 
just do what you need to do. Sorry, mm-hmm. I went long anyway. Um, but I'll go back and record more for the signal because that's such a good episode. And then maybe get to Man City. All right. See ya. <laughs> so Greg did record more for the signal. Uh, he recorded four and a half minutes more for the signal. But when I went to listen to it, there was nothing there. <laughs> it was four and a half minutes of ambient noise. So I think he's going to try and re-record it. I don't know if he's going to try and re-record it or not. But if he does, we'll play it when we get it. Okay. That's hilarious, <laughs> by the way. So uh, next up, we have another voicemail from Alex. Uh, we played one doing spoiler territory, if you missed it, because it had spoilers in it. This one is spoiler free. So let's play this one now. Hey, y'all. Alex Kruger again. Um, I love Beard After Hours, but man, I remember hating it the first time around because of how many hanging threads there were at the end of this episode, and that I now had to wait an additional week for them. It's like when the wolves invaded Alexandria, and I had to wait the extra week to get that resolution while I sat through Morgan and the Cheesemaker on The Walking Dead. Hmm. Don't get me wrong, an hour and a half of Lenny James is always appreciated, but damn, sometimes I need quicker gratification than two weeks on something like this. That's how I felt with this episode. Uh, One thing I noticed on this rewatch was Jamie has been used a lot in a comedic role this season. Even if he didn't speak, his body language and facial expressions have been laugh out loud funny. But this week, Jamie's scenes and stories were touching. He was earnest and honest, raw and real. Watching him crying on the pitch after the match was gutting, and the scene with his dad speaks for itself. I know Roy was begrudgingly softening up to Jamie, but this is clearly where the seeds for next season's bromance were truly planted. I really thought I had mentally prepared and wouldn't cry when Roy comforted him, but alas, I was not. The difference between Sam and Rebecca's reaction upon realizing they were each other's matches was hilarious. Rebecca was rightly horrified and possibly a little embarrassed, whereas Sam was tickled pink. Sam, I think, has always had a shine for Rebecca, and I have to give him props for going for it. Like a young Alexander Hamilton, he was not throwing away his shot. Shot. Though I now realize it probably isn't great to compare anti-colonialism Sam to an American founding father. Hmm. (laughs) It's very rare that at this stage in a team's journey on TV or in movies, they would be so clearly outplayed and overmatched within minutes of the opening whistle. It was kind of nice not having any false hope at any point and understanding from jump, this wasn't going to be Richmond's day. Which leads me to the coach's handling of the shellac. Beard was clearly distraught over the way the team played. Nate seemed like his only two ideas were to park the bus and piss off the rep. I have to wonder if Nate really was just a one-trick pony that got lucky against Tottenham, and if his leading training the day before the match had anything to do with how poorly they played. I liked how Ted was channeling his inner Jason Garrett, just clapping and shouting empty positive platitudes all game. But man, it is wild to see Coach Beard when he gets fed up with Ted's it doesn't matter if you win or lose as long as you play as a team ethos. It's always jarring. And the way he leaves Ted to enter his night out really made me worried he was going to leave the team or worse. And lastly, I wanted to discuss Roy and Phoebe's conversation in the car. Now, I made a very conscious decision early on to never use because I said so with my girls. I firmly believe that if I'm going to make a decision or establish a rule, I have to be able to explain my reasoning to them or else they wouldn't actually learn any kind of lesson. They would just see me putting up a barrier because I have authority over them. I love Roy explaining that he is who he is, but he wants her to be better than him. I think it's really impactful to acknowledge your flaws or flawed past with kids to show them that A, you know what you're talking about, and B, they'll have someone looking out for them. That's all that I have for this week. 
as always, keep up the great work. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Uh, I want to say this too about Alex. Um, Alex has never podcasted before. Really? Uh, but right you wouldn't think it uh so i had i've recorded a couple episodes of my wilhelm podcast in advance they're going to be releasing over the next couple weeks uh alex came on and did top five favorite baseball movies with me and that's going to be releasing in about two or three weeks he's fantastic he's never podcasted before and he was great he has a great voice yeah he was great for his first time podcasting so um uh, he's definitely going to come back on Wilhelm, and he's even said he'd be open to coming on here oh, to talk yay. to Ed Lasso as well. Yeah, so I think we should definitely have him on as a guest at some point. Yes, please. So uh, next up, we have a voicemail from uh, Jeff Allen. I want to preface this one a little bit. He did give us a little bit of a trigger warning. He does talk a little bit about the death of his own father in this one. And he even said we didn't have to play it, but I told him because he was willing to share it, we wanted to play it. Yeah. Um, so it's only about a minute and a half long, a little <clears throat> over a minute and a half. But um, I just want to say before this, uh, this is one I did listen to ahead of time. And I just want to tell Jeff, uh, thank you for sharing this and being willing to, to put this out. So uh, here it is. The voicemail from uh, Jeff. Hey, Ben and Kristen, it's Jeff. So man city, I knew that I had to leave feedback for, and I knew that I had to call it in uh, because this episode is, it's very personal to me. So Ben, you know this, and a number of people listening to this do, but um, my father, my dad passed away in um, a couple of years back. It was sudden. It was unexpected. It was September 9th, 2021. Uh, 24 hours later, this episode dropped. Oof. I watched it right away because um, one of my favorite shows and uh, it never fails to put a smile on my face. And then we got to the end of the episode. And, um, well, like I said, it's a very personal episode to me. Ted reminds me a lot of my dad, and I think that's, one of the reasons I fell in love with the show in the first place. And I think maybe it's one of the reasons that I enjoy watching the show, rewatching the show so much. So I'm really glad that you guys did this rewatch. I, I'm glad that I got to watch this episode again, honestly, because it makes me think of him and I like thinking of him. So I will leave it at that. And I am looking forward to next week's episode because I have many, many opinions on it, and I can't wait to force everybody to listen to them. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. Uh, that's how I feel when I podcast. I'm forcing you to listen to my opinions. It's perfect. Pretty much. I think, I think that's how everybody feels when they podcast. It's like yeah. Forcing you to listen to my thoughts. Yep. I'm going to talk uh, for an hour about my thoughts. <laughs> but thank you again, Jeff, for, for sharing that. And, being willing to to open up about that with us and the listeners mm -hmm. at, at the same time. And I'm glad that, you know, watching this episode or even watching the show brings you closer to, you know, your father who you lost. I think that's, that's great. Absolutely. 
Uh, and last but not least, we have, of course, a voicemail from our friend Steve Brown. So let's play that now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Ted Lasso, Man City. Oh, that's right. I forgot that uh, Dr. Sharon has a doctor of her own. Oh, I remember the first time seeing this and being so just, oh, she just got blasted by that car. And for some reason, I thought there was blood, but I guess that was just the red petals and me because it was the first time watching it. Love it. So Nate is so caught up in who's going to take care of, of training and Beard just gives it to him. Also, she finally agrees to meet Sam in person. Aw. And I love how all the other guys or some of the other guys are so invested in this relationship with Sam and this mysterious boss girl. <laughs> and so he gets the weight on his neck again. <laughs> Ain't no policy like a hospital policy because a hospital policy don't stop. Roy's sister, the doctor that just uh, released Dr. Sharon and uh, to uh, uh, Ted's custody. I remember the first time watching this that I thought they were going to try to do something with Miss Bowen and uh, and Roy, but it never did. <laughs> I remember in Hershey trying to get us to say the Roy, Uncle Uncle Ben, can we get ice cream? Eh, no. <laughs> Hey, wait, I have to comment on this whole Ted carrying the bike and, and listing the voicemails to Dr. Sharon. Who lets a concussed person have their phone while they're in the emergency room? Come on. So Higgins found an office. It's a janitor's closet, but I don't even want to try to unpack the whole he eats bugs for money. That's why he legally changed his name to Bug. And they did get ice cream. Love that they play <laughs> Roy and Phoebe play Princess and Dragon, and he's the princess. <laughs> Interesting how they didn't show us how it went with Nate running uh, training by himself, I guess. Oh, okay. She looks, Rebecca looks amazing in that dress. Ooh, did Rebecca just tell Keely that Sam is there? And they just figured it out. Oh, they're so cute together, and they're having their little date, and... Uh, mm. No spoilers. Oh, Ted, that was a great Kermit, by the way. I love that Ted tries to have his Hoosiers moment by saying the pitch is the same size and then finding out that the pitches are all different sizes, which it doesn't make any sense to me either, Ted, by the way. Hey, Nate in this suit, this gray suit, just makes his hair look grayer even. I love how Ted makes his admission about uh, panic attacks and now everybody around the circle is making a different confession. First, Nate's is about having great ideas and Beard's is about being on mushrooms. Jamie's dad is just a dick. Oh, I had forgotten that Beard was the one who takes Jamie's dad out of the locker room. Oh, and Roy giving Jamie a hug. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> oh, I remember what happened What happened to Ted's dad, but I didn't remember this was the episode we find out. Oh, oh and this leads us into Beard After Hours. By the way, my favorite Martin Scorsese film, After Hours. Yeah, no spoilers, better than The Departed. Boom, I said it. <laughs> oh, this is the first time Sam and Rebecca hook up. Oh, I forgot about this. All right, on to next week. Do you know, I didn't, I completely did not even pick up on the fact that Roy tells Phoebe no to ice cream and they get ice cream anyway. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> of course even, they do. I he doesn't say no to Phoebe. It. Yes, he does. No, he. Well, he says it to her in yeah, front of Miss in Bone. front of Miss Bone. I'm just saying he does not deny that girl anything. No. Oh man, I love Phoebe and Roy's relationship. It's I do so too. much fun. I do too. Um, but thank you to Steve and everybody who left us feedback for the episode. We encourage you guys to do so every week, and there are multiple ways to do it. Easiest way is just go to revisitedpod.com. 
There you can find links to where to listen, subscribe, social media, all that fun stuff. Or you could just email us directly, feedback at revisitedpod.com. Send us an email or a voicemail, and we'll play it on the uh, on the podcast. Um, recommendations before we get out of here. Anything on your end? No, my life has been really boring lately. Don't work. That's my recommendation. <laughs> I wish we could all follow that. Don't be a teacher. <laughs> like Miss Bowen. Oh my gosh. Fuck I have me, such Glenn. trepidation about going into work after a weekend. I hate that feeling. <laughs> they call it they there's a term for it. They call it the Sunday scaries. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. Uh I do have a recommendation. Cool. Actually, I have I have two. Um, I don't know. I might have made this one already, but the the show The Floor on Fox. Oh, with uh, Rob Lowe? With Rob Lowe. I yeah. think I've mentioned it before. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just having so much fun watching it. It's almost over. Uh, the other recommendation I will make, though, uh, and I know you'll probably agree with this one, even if you haven't watched it yet. If you have the chance, watch American Fiction. It's- it is... It is. Is it as so, good as we thought it was going to be? It is so fucking good. Sterling K. Brown got nominated for it. I will. I will tell you this, and this will give you a good indication as to how good I think it it is. I have no doubt Oppenheimer is going to sweep the Oscars. However, there is a part of me that thinks Jeffrey Wright might give Killian Murphy a run for his money. No way. No, I think Killian's going to win the Oscar. I, I have no doubt. I, I think it's a shame because Jeffrey Wright is fucking amazing. Well, he's phenomenal America. in everything he does. I mean, he was unbelievable in Westworld. Yeah, agreed. He should have been nominated and won everything for Westworld. He was so good in Westworld. But, you know, and he was good. He was good in the Hunger Games. And Sterling K. Brown is also amazing in America. Well, Sterling K. Brown is amazing in anything he does. So so much so that when I got done watching American fiction, do you know what the first thing I watched was? This is us. The box. You watched the The box. box. Yep. The box. (laughs) I know exactly what you watched. Yep. That episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just... He won an Emmy for it. I know. It's so good. Every... Every person in that episode which is basically only three of them um they're all that that episode is so good it's classic it's an instant classic episode yeah. and you don't have to have seen any other episode of brooklyn 99 to enjoy that episode it's a standalone it's a it's a bottle episode yeah oh 100 a bottle episode yeah yeah there's no other characters in it but peralta and and and, and the cap and Holt and Sterling. Oh, and came one out. line from Gina. Spoiler alert. They think you did it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and there's and also Sterling K. Brown's lawyer, but she doesn't really no. have it's great. It's a great episode. Great, 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 great episode. When I got done watching American fiction, I was like, I want to watch the box. Have you ever seen This Is Us? No. It's really, really good. Is that the one really where the guy good. dies from the crock pot? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I saw that, that same how- crock pot at an estate sale not too long ago. I think a I bunch like, of people ended up. This? 
I think a bunch, I think there actually was like, there was some kind of report or something that a bunch of people who owned that kind of crack pot ended up selling them or getting rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Instant pots are very popular now, I think, because of This Is Us. <laughs> I, well, I've, I had one even before This Is Us. No, no, no. Instant um, pots rather than crock pots. Oh, I still own a crock pot too, though. I own them both. Um, yeah. So before we wrap up, I, I did mention it earlier. Uh, there's new episodes of Wilhelm that are on the way out. Uh, as of right now, the President's Day episode, Top 5 Favorite Fictional Presidents, has released. Uh, I mentioned Alex Kruger coming on. Top 5 Favorite Baseball Movies will be releasing in a couple weeks. Kristen and I are going to be doing another movie swap coming up in a couple weeks as well, talking about the movies that we gave each other. And I haven't told you this yet, Kristen, because I know you're going to hate me for it. Keona Reeves uh, is coming on your show. No, oh. I'm attending an advanced screening tomorrow night uh, for uh, Dune Part 2. What? Oh! <laughs> Why don't we live closer <laughs> to each other? <laughs> but I will be doing a spoiler-free review of Dune Part 2, even though some of the, scre- some of the advanced reviews I've heard nope. come from the I don't Hollywood... Want, no, I don't want to hear it. All right, I won't say it. Stop it! But I'm going. I'm going to be. I'm from the time we're recording. I'm going to be attending an advanced screening of it tomorrow night. So uh, we'll see. Hey, it's because of you. I'm even attending this screening, and I'm excited for it because you gave me Dune Part One for a movie swap episode, and it was amazing. And I actually really enjoyed it. That was our first movie swap. Was it the first one? It was Dune and Top Gun Maverick. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, it was episode one. Yep. We've done we've done ten of those already. Have we, Have I think we like really? ten or eleven. Yeah. Good for us. We've done like ten or eleven of those, <laughs> and we've got more coming. They're fun. They're just they're fun really episodes, fun, especially when they're bad movies. <laughs> oh my god, that was one of the most fun episodes of any podcast you and I have ever recorded. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> We just laughed through most of it because we just kept shitting on the movies we gave each other. I know. I know. So much fun. Dave kept Um, texting me throughout the whole thing. He's like, you guys just won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to hear any of those episodes or the upcoming ones, uh, WilhelmPodcast.com is where you can go to check those out. Also, make sure you go over to Podcastica.com. Check out some of the great stuff that's over there. Um, and as we always say, there's something for everybody over at Podcastica. They're getting ready. They're gearing up because the ones who lived is is starting next Sunday. I'm no, this excited. coming Sunday. Yeah, I'm this coming very, Sunday. Very excited. Very excited. I finally get to watch Walking Dead again. Yeah. So the cast of us over in Podcastica is going to be covering Walking Dead: The Ones Who Live. So Cannot if you're a Walking wait. Dead fan and you're going to be watching, follow along with the podcast. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited for it, too. Yeah. I didn't watch Daryl Dixon, but I'm excited for The Ones Who Live. Yeah. I haven't watched any of them except for Walking Dead. And I can't wait to have Walking Dead back in my life again. I know you won't refuse to watch Dead City. The Negan Maggie I refuse to watch it. That's what I said. I said you You won't won't. and refuse. Oh, won't and refuse. Okay. Yeah. I said you won't and refuse to watch it. No. Any final notes before we get out? No. Okay. 
then with that being said thank you guys as always for listening subscribing being a part of this journey all that you guys do but until next time for beard after hours we'll see you guys out on the pitch take care bye baby